All right, guys, let's dive on in here. You, you guys want to start it off by uh, talking about space. We got two different stories uh, that have to do with space as the, I don't know if the space race, space industry starts to heat up. Um, so let's talk about this first one. That's that uh, William Shatner uh, was the oldest private citizen to go up to space on this most recent Blue Origin flight. Um, and I don't know if you guys watched the video. I actually put out a tweet yesterday. This man does not look 90 years old. I hope I'm in as good a shape as he is. Well, how old is age. he? He's 90. 90? 90? Yes, yeah. dude. And he's walking around. He looks like he's 65. No it's shot. Crazy. He's 90. That's crazy. That's what I said. Did like plastic surgery done or something? <laughs> I don't know, man. He's probably he's good though. <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is really this is really a big deal. I mean, as we continue to take normal citizens into space, you know, it's going to increase the amount of exposure, and I mean, they're going to make so much money on on tourism in space. I think it's going to be stupid. Uh, yeah. But I mean, if I were to go to space, I'd choose SpaceX because I mean, I'll be up there longer. I'll have a better view. You know, Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic are not like going into full orbit into space. They're kind of just going into low orbit. Um, so if I were to go up to space, I would choose SpaceX so I could just get the full experience. Yeah. Blue Origin is focused on space tourism right now, along, along with Virgin, which SpaceX is not, though. And this was definitely a PR move by Blue Origin, which was smart because Shatner was obviously Captain Kirk on Star Trek. So they can say they brought Captain Kirk to space. A smart move. Yeah. Did you guys see the video of him talking to Bezos after landing? It was He's pretty emotional about it. Um, I think rightfully so. Evan, I saw you put it on your story talking about the overview effect. Uh, why don't you talk about that for a second and why you think that's yeah. significant? Well, I mean, when astronauts go into space, one of the things that they take away that they say is one of the best experiences of their life, if not the best experience, was the first time that they look at Earth from space mm -hmm. because as just normal people living on the planet, you know, we're taught there's borders, we're taught that uh, we're, we're, we expect the earth to look a certain way based on, you know, globes and pictures. But when you see it and you actually see it in its true raw form, you know, it's, it's, it's special. You know, it's something that people are unable to really describe and they describe it if they, when they try as a religious experience, uh, because it's unique to look at the earth without borders and know that we're all just one thing here. You know, there's no politics, yeah. there's nothing mm -hmm. separating us. It's just, we're all floating on this big blue thing. I think uh, we probably need more of that as a civilization, honestly, more of that. We my, uh, my buddy Shane Howard brought up that um, he thinks it should be a requirement. I don't know if it was him that said this or somebody else that he said it should be a requirement if you're going to be on Congress or in the Senate to go up into space in the future. So you can mm, look that'd be Earth. cool. Yeah, I love that. I assume I, that. I assume the three of us are all people who would take the opportunity to do that. So with, with that For in sure. mind, how how old do you think you'll be or how far from now by the time it'll be accessible to us and we could just decide to buy a ticket and go? I'd say 10 to 15 I say, years. Yeah. Really? That's what that I, was say. I was going to say 10 years. Yeah. I just think that things are like, things are just going so fast right now and it's all compounding anyway. So I think, mm -hmm. yeah, about 10 to 15 years. I wouldn't be surprised if it was even sooner than that, but I think that's a pretty reasonable timeline. Um, but let's I would have said 25, other, but... I, I could definitely see the, the logic for the compounding growth that's going on. I guess maybe 25 for it to be like reasonably priced. <laughs> It'll be like a hundred bucks. Just hop next. on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. We'll see. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about this other space story real quick. Um, that has to do with SpaceX. So a company called Varda space industries, 
which is sending up essentially space manufacturing facilities so that uh, they can make things in microgravity, which will allow them to do some very interesting things, is sending up their first uh, space manufacturing facility on a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. Uh, so this is uh, a company that I've seen around. I haven't dove in and studied them too much, but just at the surface, I love the concept of what they're doing here. They're going to be using that microgravity to produce things like uh, 3D printed organs and things like that. So they're going to be printing some of their or manufacturing some of their first materials uh, in this first facility they're going to be launching. I think it's a really cool concept. We talked to Space Tango about this. So Space Tango has been doing some of this on a very much smaller scale. Uh, they're based here in Lexington, Kentucky. So I expect uh, I'm, I expect this to be a pretty big trend. Uh, I think I think there's a lot of opportunity in 3D printing, but especially you know, they're viewing microgravity as a platform. You know, mm-hmm. It's a brand new medium of um, creation. You know, it's a way to create something that's never been created because you know gravity has a pretty big effect on all things on Earth. So when you take that away, it's totally a new yep. new thing. Yeah, it should be super interesting to see what what kind of things are able to be created. Uh, with microgravity. So just wanted to kind of touch on that just because I think it's a really interesting story. But uh, let's move on from space. We've got some news from Apple. Report came out talking about them uh, kind of studying more about what they can do with uh, their different tech and taking health data. So uh, it says Apple's been exploring AirPods that can take your temperature and monitor your posture, which is really not too surprising with all the news that's come out around the types of sensors and data they want to collect through Apple mm-hmm. watches and everything. Uh, this is just kind of another um, piece of hardware that they're going to start using to do that. Uh, I know we've talked a little bit about how we feel about uh, big companies like that collecting our health data. I think that's the main consideration as we, as we go into the future is do we want one person having all of this health data on us? I yeah. know there's a lot of regulations around that, but uh, I feel like, most people are still a little weary of that. Yeah. Well, do the pros outweigh the cons there? You know, if you have an Apple Watch and AirPods that you wear regularly and they're always checking like blood oxygen, blood sugar, temperature, like posture. I don't know how they would check posture, but that's cool. Like if they're always checking these things and can proactively help you prevent disease, is the slight privacy concern worth that? I would probably argue yes, because that data is out there anyway. And if, if any company is going to have it, I would like it to be Apple. But some people might have a different opinion on that. Would you give up privacy for two more years of life? That's when you put a number on it. That's interesting. Um, hmm. I th- I mean, I think that's a nuanced question. Two two more years of quality life, and what? How much? When you say give up privacy, does that mean quality life? It's quality life. Two, You're giving up all two years privacy. of quality life. Your health data is out there. Hmm. Just the for best Apple? health data possible. You get the health, you get the best health data possible, but it gets, it gets leaked. Leaked to the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say so. Mm. I mean, what are they going to do? Oh, damn. This guy had a high temperature that day. Like, what are they going to do? <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I feel like it doesn't really matter to yeah. me. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's one of those questions. that's just, it depends on how much regulation around. I think this is where the, the government's going to have to really, monitor the way this health data is being used. Obviously you're not allowed to uh, market to anyone based off of their health data, but it's one of those things that um, I do think the pros outweigh the cons. I would personally like to be able to see all of my health data around the 
you know, how my temperatures fluctuated when I've worn my AirPods and all those different mm-hmm. things that the, that the Apple watch can collect. So I think the more data we collect on it, the more machine learning can be run on it. And hopefully the more health can improve just because we're constantly monitoring, uh, all of these vitals that, that you can measure through these wearable devices now. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, let's talk about this last story that's kind of relevant to us, and that's these new features that are being added to Spotify. So Spotify has been doing a lot of work trying to um, position themselves as the leader in the podcasting space. Um, we actually use one of the companies that they acquired to position themselves in that way, and that is Anchor. And Anchor has recently published some new tools that are really intriguing. We actually haven't used them yet, um, but we're going to use them today. And that is that uh, Spotify wants to encourage listeners to talk back to the people who are posting podcasts. So they've uh, provided a couple new features, one of which is to uh, allow podcasts to ask their audiences polls and a little question and answer feature. So on this podcast, as we now post these on our podcast feed, we're going to include a poll, just see how it works for anybody that's listening with Spotify. But uh, I love the idea of having the audience talk back. That's something we've been trying to find a good way to do for a long time. Uh, we're just getting to the point where we have a big enough social media presence to where we we interact with our users a good bit now, or our, our audience a good bit now. Um, but I love that it would happen natively through where you're actually listening to the podcast rather than a social media channel. I've actually yeah, put a yes or no question natural. on the last couple weekend updates, and we've gotten like mm. two responses. So it's the the rate of response is not that high, and I think that's because you have to like actually scroll down to like answer the question. Mm. So it's kind of out of the listener's mind, which is how I'm right. viewing. It's how I'm viewing this. Like I am super long on audio and podcasts. And I think that's because it can be passively consumed while you're doing something else. And so this is obviously not that I think it's good to have these features, but to me, that's not the value of podcasts as they currently stand. Yeah. Right. I think, I think the, it's up to the podcasters to make it more interactive. I think that, you know, like we are now, I mean, think, I think podcasters have to figure out a way to keep their audience engaged because competition is so high. You know, I think, mm-hmm. um, I think the barrier to create a podcast is a little higher than a blog, uh, maybe a lot higher than a blog, but the amount of people starting podcasts is really increasing. So there's a lot of competition. So podcasters need every way they can to you know, cut through the clutter and, and stand out and engaging your audience more is going to be an important part of that. You know, I just wish, you know, Apple and some of the other platforms would you know follow Spotify's lead and, you know, become more of a podcasting platform. Yeah. Uh, even though most of our audience um, actually is from Apple, uh, listens to it out on Apple, which mm-hmm. has always been surprising to me because uh, yeah. most of my friends use, I feel like a lot of my friends use Spotify. And I think Spotify, again, has invested the most in podcasting. Yeah, Apple I is just, for some I'm, reason, their app has sucked forever on podcasting. Like they just can't get it right. This this latest update they did to it really threw off a lot of a lot of our numbers uh, mm-hmm. whenever they were having problems with uh, podcasts not being downloaded anymore, which, you know, when a podcast isn't being downloaded on somebody's phone, they're just kind of out of out of sight, out of mind. Um, so, yeah, I've always been long Spotify. I'm, I love seeing more of these kind of social features being added. Um, so if you're listening to this and, and you go and listen to it on Spotify, scroll down and answer that poll. We'll, we'll give it a little test run, see how it works. Cool. Well, that's uh, all the stories we have today. Let's go through and highlight some of the different things we have coming up this week. Uh, so the first of which is going to be another weekend reading that comes out tomorrow. So I sat down and recorded part two of the nuclear technology little research thread that 
uh, that I did. So the part one was just about the difference between nuclear fission and nuclear fusion. So describing the difference between those two reactions, I think is the most important step in understanding uh, where nuclear technology currently is. So for part two, um, I went over and just kind of tried to give a high level overview of the companies that are working on it and the the methods that they're going about trying to achieve fusion. So it's really, it was a hard podcast for me to record because it was so <laughs> over my head, but I think I did a decent job of breaking it down. Um, and then on Monday, we're going to have an episode coming out with Kyle Wilson of, uh, boom beans. So that's an organization based in Eastern Kentucky that is trying to encourage entrepreneurship with high school students. So we're excited for that as well. And now I'm going to add in a guest. So, uh, the middle tech team, uh, has been adding, has been working on what's called startup weekend. So Keith, if you want to request to join the live here, I want you to come on and kind of talk a little bit about what startup weekend is. Um, it's something that Evan and I have been working with a lot of the other startup community to join or to get, to get together. So I'm going to go ahead and invite Keith in here and see if, uh, we can get him to join and talk a little bit about startup weekend. Cause I think it's something that a lot of you guys that are listening right here, uh, would get a lot out of if you guys were able to attend. So Keith, good morning. Let's see if we can get the, the camera turned around. Yeah. Why would it, <laughs> why would it, default, it, it defaulted to pointing that way? Why would that do that? <laughs> Good grief. Bad user experience. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. And, uh, yeah, just want to give a quick shout-out to uh, your audience and invite them to start a weekend. Uh, this is an annual event that we put on here in Lexington. Uh, it's a Techstars event, so it happens all over the world, actually. So for those of you who are not familiar with it, uh, it's a 54-hour sprint from Friday night to Sunday night. Uh, where people get together on Friday night, pitch ideas that have been heavy on their minds, and then people fall in love with those ideas on Friday night, so they jump on a team uh, in order to start building it. And so, uh, so uh, yeah, they've got 54 hours to do so. They'll pitch it uh, over the course of the weekend to a panel of judges on Sunday night, and it's a ton of fun. It's coming up on November 12th to November 14th, and, uh, and you all are invited. Uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, so right now there's a there's an early bird discount available for people that register before October 16th. So that's coming up pretty quickly. Um, but uh, I, think, I think all three of you all have been to a startup weekend. Is that right? You guys oh, have yeah. good things to say? Oh, oh yeah. man, I love, Simba. love startup weekend. Simba, out of startup weekend. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, Simba was, or uh, startup weekend was the first time we pitched publicly. Simba, which at the time was property management. Um, so yeah, it got us, uh, it got us all focused and we exerted a lot of energy in those 54 hours on, uh, Simba and here we are now full time on it. Yeah. Evan, I'm still waiting on my, uh, on my equity options from when I helped you out with Simba, <laughs> uh, at startup weekend. So just let me know when you can send those over. Yeah. No shot. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, Keith, thanks for coming on and, uh, talking a little bit about that. All three of us uh, are excited to to keep promoting it and keep working on it and uh, participate as well. So looking forward to it. All right. Well, that'll kind of wrap it up for us. Uh, everyone have a good weekend and we'll see you next Friday. See you guys. See y'all. See y'all.